Now let's pray. Let's go to God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for just the beauty of your holiness. Lord, we're reminded of the saints of old, Lord, the, the temple and singers and just the glory in the book of Psalms and the music and the poetry. Lord, we're reminded that there's coming a day when we will sing with all our might, with all our strength, in every tongue, in every language, Lord, every person that's trusted you as their Savior will sing hallelujah to your name. So this morning, we just, Lord, we want to experience just a, a part of that, a glimpse of that. Lord, I pray that uh, you meet with us in this service. I pray that as we give to you, as we continue to sing to you, as we, as we open the Bible and are taught from the Word of God, Lord, I pray that everything we do and say would first and, fo first and foremost glorify your name, and then that it draw our hearts close to you. I pray, Lord, that if there is somebody here who, or somebody who's watching that's never trusted you as their Savior, may they receive you today. Lord, please bless this service. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans and chapter number 14, please. Romans 14. So if you are new to this series we've been the theme has been renewed and we've actually spent uh, almost a year going through the book of romans and we're coming to the very end now the book of romans is a wonderful book of the bible and it talks a lot about in the early chapters it speaks a lot about how we can have a relationship with god it speaks about knowing god through a relationship with jesus christ and so that's what we spent the mo most of our time on in the first chapters in Romans. But now at the end, we've seen a new theme. And that new theme is this, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus that gives us eternal life, it doesn't just give us a life for tomorrow. Knowing Jesus changes my life today. It's not just about heaven, although if that was all that God promised me for believing in Christ, that would be enough. But he's promised to give us a renewed life today. Now, in the renewed life, some of it is exciting and, and upbeat and encouraging, and then some of it is challenging. Some of it is difficult. Some of it is a little bit painful as we go through this renewal process and God starts to change us. But ultimately, we're trying to keep in mind the theme verse, which is Romans 12 and verse number 2. We've said it together every week. You probably, some of you might be able to say it without even looking at it, but let's go ahead and look at it and read it together. Romans 12, 2, begin. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the renewed life. That's what God wants to accomplish in our lives. So here we come today to chapter 14 and verse number 13. The title today is this, Because I Love You. Because I Love You. Now, I'm not speaking about me in particular, although I am, I guess. But this is a statement that hopefully each and every one of us can say at the end of studying this passage, hopefully by the 
And we can all say, because I love you. Now, you might think that I'm saying because I love you, speaking to God. Now, everything we do as Christians should be because we love God. You believe that, right? Everything we do should be because we love God with all our hearts. But what I'm speaking about today and what Romans 14 is speaking about, it's not, it's, yes, obviously it flows from a because I love you vertical to God, but it's actually a motivation like this, because I love you. And for each of us as Christians to look at other Christians, other people growing in their faith around us and to say, I'm going to make some decisions, not because I love myself, but I'm going to make some decisions because I love you. Well, let's read. Maybe you'll, you'll see what's... In fact, let me give you this introduction, and then we'll, I'll read this introductory statement. The body of Christ is called to love one another. This love can actually be demonstrated in the midst of serious disagreements. Now, we think of love in like, well, when things are going well. Oh, I love you. I just love you so much. I really love you. But this is actually when you're like, I really don't like what you're doing right now. I don't even know if I really like you right now. This is a love in the body of Christ that's demonstrated in the midst of disagreement where we can say, I will choose, I will choose to yield my rights. Don't we live in a day and age where everybody wants to stand up for their rights? Where everybody wants to say, well, I have the right or I have my rights. And certainly we live in a country that is blessed with wonderful rights, do we not? And I'm thankful for that. But we live in a time where people are, and sometimes even among believers, we are very focused on our rights. But what this passage is going to call us to do, for love's sake, is to yield our rights. But this kind of love does not come naturally. It's motivated and empowered by the grace of God. This is not something that we can can do on our own. This is something we need God to do in us and through us. It's part of the renewed life. So look with me at Romans 14 and pick it up in verse 13. Let's there, let us not therefore, in other words, this is something we need to stop doing. Let us not therefore, what's it say? Judge one another anymore. What does that imply? What had been going on? There'd been some judging going on. There'd been some judgmental attitudes toward one another. We looked at that last week earlier on in the, pa in the passage. That's what we saw. But now he moves on. He says, okay, let me wrap this thing up. He says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. It's time to stop setting yourself up as the judge of someone else. But rather, but judge this rather. If you must be a judge... And if you just have this compulsion in you that drives you to making judgments, if you have to judge, this is what you should judge. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. He says, if you have to make a judgment, rather than judging someone, 
why don't you judge your own actions to make sure that what you're doing is for the benefit of your brother or your sister? We're speaking, obviously, of brothers and sisters within the family of God. That everything that we do, the judgment that we should make as we live our lives should be that. So number one, if you'd like to open your notes this morning and, and see the very first theme today is this. Because I love you, number one, because I love you, I yield my rights. Because I love you, I yield my rights. Could you try to say that with me if you don't mind? Because I love you, I yield my rights. And there's a gracious judgment that we just looked at. You see his point? It's not for me to say, well, I don't really think this person should do this or that. It's for me to say, to look into my own life and say, is the way I'm living benefiting or hurting someone else in the faith? Now, for sake of time, I'm going to try to move through this. We need to understand, he introduces a, a concept here, and it is the concept of the stumbling block. Do you see that? Do you see the, the, the stumbling block? I need a, a helper today, okay? I need somebody that's going to help me, and my two guys that I usually call in to help me, they are running the media today, so they're not, they're not going to be able to help me. Nate's going to help me. Your wife volunteered, so come on, Nate, all right? Now, Nate, Nate is not the hero of our story, I'm sorry, but he's going to find grace today, okay? Nate is going to find grace. Now, Nate is a professional uh, stumbling block carrier. Hold that for me. This is what Nate does. Nate is just, uh, because Nate is very concerned about his, Nate is like the most selfless guy I know. He makes the food for the kids on Wednesday night. He serves. But today, that, that's why we're going to use him, because he's the opposite of this. Today, Nate is particularly selfish. It's my day. Okay. <laughs> that's a good point. Now, Nate just, all Nate knows is he's got this block. He always doesn't really, he doesn't like to carry it all the time. What does he like to do with it? He likes to put it down places, you know? Why does he have to carry that stumbling block all the time? Don't you think he has a right to put it down? So, so Nate, do what you want with a stumbling block. Now, I am just poor, unsuspecting, innocent, young Christian in the faith, you know? I'm trying to do my best. And Nate here, the professional stumbler, is, uh, is doing his thing. And I'm walking along, and Nate decides he wants to put his stumbling block down. This is, yeah, you know what he's supposed to do, right? He's like, he's not picking up the cue, what you're saying? Okay, so you got to put it in my way. And so, so I'm just like, I go flying over his stumbling block. Now, if he's careless, now, is he intentionally trying to harm me? No, he's not. But what's he concerned with? Yeah, himself. He's concerned with his stumbling block and what he has to do with it. And so he takes a stumbling block, and, and I could be taking a walk somewhere. We'll see, Bree, if he's figuring this out. I could be taking a walk, and he's just going to, he, he's just going to, you know, give me an occasion. That's what? No man, that's, that's Nate, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Nate did a good job. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Where do we put, yeah, he's like, it goes somewhere around there. That'll work. That'll work. Now, the question is this, then. Obviously, we're not talking about a portable stair step, okay? We're talking about more than that. What is this stumbling block? 
let's get, I'm going to give you a little context first and then I'll back up. So let's read a little further. Verse number 14. Romans 14 and verse 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if brother be grieved with thy, what's the word? Meat. Now walkest thou not charitably. In other words, if your brother is being hurt because of your meat, you're not being very loving. If your brother is stumbling because of your meat, you're not being very charitable. You're not being very loving. Now, some of us might be like, okay, meat. Meat is, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a Bible scholar, so what is meat code for? There's got to be something here, right? What is, the, what is meat? Guess what? It's meat. It's like steak. We're literally talking about meat. And he says this. So just kind of just think about this for a minute. He says, if your brother is grieved with your meat, you're not walking charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then good be evil spoken of. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. What is this stumbling block in meat? Now, I want you to notice something, and I wrote this out carefully in, in your notes because I wanted to make sure to say this carefully. When we talk about stumbling block issues. We're not talking about preferences, and we're not even talking about a lot of areas of personal conviction and lifestyle choices. We talked a little bit about that last week. There's people that have strong convictions about a whole variety of things, but we're not necessarily speaking about those things generically here. In, for instance, in several places, the scriptures warn us not to add things to, to requirements of the faith that would bind people's consciences to our traditions. In other words, we're not supposed to take our preferences and our traditions and elevate them to an important position. So some passages say, no, that you shouldn't even argue about that at all. You just need to let that go. And th this is not what it's about. But here in this passage, it's talking about a more serious issue. And surprisingly, the meat was central. So what I'm saying is this. The stumbling block issues are those issues that are directly related to someone's growth or falling away from the faith. It might seem surprising to us today, but the issue of meat was central to spiritual life in both the Hebrew and Roman traditions. What two groups of people are in the church at Rome? Hebrews and Romans. In both of their backgrounds, in both of their spiritual traditions, the food that they ate was actually central to their belief system. Now, you probably, probably would be more familiar with the, with the Jew Jewish tradition in that certain meat is clean or unclean. You can eat this, you cannot eat this. It's not allowed. And so some of the Jewish Christians were like, I don't know if I, could, if I can eat that. And I'm not being faithful to God if I, if I eat that. And it would cause them, and they would say, well, if Christianity 
if Christianity means people are just going to eat bacon and ham sandwiches and all this stuff, I just don't know if I can follow that faith. Why? Is this because they were strong in the faith? No, it's because earlier they were what? They were weak in the faith. They hadn't arrived at the point where they So it would be a, a literal stumbling block. Like They're like, Jesus is my Messiah. I want to follow Jesus with my life. And they walk in, and there's the, their cousin who became a Christian a long time ago, and he's got a big ham sandwich. They didn't eat sandwiches. Pita, a ham pita. I don't know what it was. Anyway, he's, he's eating something that would have been formerly considered unclean. You see what the point here is? The point is about a preface. I like this. I live my personal life. The point is it's preventing this person from taking the next step of growth. It's literally causing them to fall away from the faith, potentially. That's the, that's the Hebrew side. But now... There's also Romans in the church. And so now you got the Romans over here, and the Romans were pagans. They worshipped all kinds of gods, all kinds of different gods. And they would do this. They would say, hey, I'm having a feast, and you're all invited. And we'd be like, yeah, right on, free food, count me in. And so we'd all show up at the feast. And, he would, and they would say, today I dedicate this feast to the god Saturn. And they would take the meat and they would say, as you eat this meat, we dedicate it to Saturn. And they would all eat the food and they would celebrate that feast and they would be worshiping a false god. Then whatever meat was sold sometimes in the shops, they would have a little sign maybe over their shop or an idol in their shop. And they would say, hey, we sell this meat to you in the name of Zeus or whatever. You, you, you get what I'm saying, right? And I, and. Again, I gave you like the ultra simplistic explanation. So if you want to research and correct me on it, I'm sure you'll find some. But that's the gist of it. Okay. And so now these people come into the church and they're not worried about the ham sandwich. They're worried about the fact that you're eating the food that was dedicated to the false god. And now they can't go further in their Christian life. I feel that sometimes when we, many people look at this passage about the meat offered titles and they try to apply it every single scenario, it, 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 there's not a lot of equivalence. Because this was a level that was so serious, it could impede someone from actually continuing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So while we may not in our culture have a direct equivalent, we want to learn from the spirit of the attitude that, of charity, of love, of yield to one another. So what does he say? Paul says this, listen, the fact of the matter is, you have freedom to eat whatever you want. He said back in verse number 14, I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's there's nothing unclean of itself. It all is in the attitude of the person who's eating it. Do you see what he said there? How they esteem it. If they view this as they're honoring God with their life, then it's clean. If they view it as a pagan, idolatrous worship, then it's unclean. I think that's pretty basic, right? He says, I know that. But everyone isn't there yet. That was the case in that church. There were some people that were like, come on, man. I just want everybody to understand. That, like, well, listen, you have walked with Jesus for a long time. You need to be patient with the weaker brothers and sisters. 
And so the principle behind this passage is this. There is freedom to eat. But there's also freedom to just love. There's also freedom to say, you know what? It's not that important to me. It's not that important to me. And so if, if, if idol would make my brother, I mean, I'm sorry, if the meat would make this person stumble in their walk with Jesus, then, I'm gonna, then I don't need to eat it. Could you imagine if we had this issue today? Could you imagine? And this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't think there really is a, a good comparison in our culture, at least. You may find it like in Middle Eastern or, or um, Asian cultures where there still are you know, idolatrous worship and whatnot. But in our culture, can you imagine if we literally had to stop eating, decided that we would stop eating our favorite foods because we loved somebody? I would have a hard time with that. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Like, I think a lot of us guys, maybe, you know. We might, but, like, let's just get where the rubber meets the road. We'd literally say, you know what? Nope, I'm just not going to do that. Not because it would be wrong for me, but because I love that person so much. That's a love. That's Christian charity. That's a level that I don't know that we, that, that we practice quite often, to be honest with you. Paul says there's freedom to eat, but there's also freedom to love. And so what we're saying here is because I love you, I yield my rights. I don't have to get my way because I love you. This, again, while the specific example isn't with us in our culture today, boy, what an attitude to bring into a marriage. What an attitude to bring into a marriage to say to your spouse, to say, you know what? I really want to do this, but because I love you, I yield my rights. What an attitude to bring into the workplace. What an attitude to bring into a community. Just, you know, the specific circumstances aside, just think about the heart of the issue. I yield my right for you, for you, because I love you. You can see this issue is also addressed. We won't turn there, but it's also addressed in 1 Corinthians 10, 25 through 33. And Paul's more instruction, but basically the, the heart of it's the same. Because I love you, I yield my rights. Secondly, this morning, because I love you, not only do I yield my rights, but because I love you, I protect your faith. Could you say that one with me? Because I love you, I, I, I protect your faith. Look what it says in verse 19. Well, before we, I got ahead of myself. We'll read it in just a second. We talked about this last week. What is the mission of the church? Well, the mission of the church, first and foremost, obviously, we bring glory to God in all that we do. But then how do we do that? We do that by introducing people to the Lord Jesus, preaching the gospel, and then building them up in the faith, discipling them. That's what Jesus left us here to do. He left us here to worship him by reaching people with the gospel and building them up in the faith. Everything else is secondary to that. Every opinion, everything I want, everything else is secondary. With that in mind, that's the mission of the church. Reaching people, teaching people, reaching people, teaching people. That's what we do. So we can all grow up in the faith. So in verse numbers, verse numbers 19 through 23, 
The principle is this, because I love you, I protect your faith. Let's read these verses, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after, if you mark in your Bible, circle that phrase, those two words, follow after. Follow after. Let us therefore follow after the thing which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify or build up another. That's what edify means, it's build somebody up. For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man that eateth with offense. In other words, if somebody's sitting there and they've got this roast in front of them, in their mind they're like, oh, this was dedicated to, this was dedicated to Apollos, the false god, or this was, or, or, or Apollo, this was dedicated to, this was dedicated to Artemis, this was dedicated to this pagan god, and I'm going to go ahead and eat it, even though I, and they're struggling there, with, do they worship Jesus, or do they worship the false god, if they have that struggle in their heart, if they eat it, what have they done? They've actually sinned. Because they still believe, they still haven't detached themselves from the idolatry. So the same piece of meat in that, in this instance, could be in front of two different people. The one person's like, yeah, forget about, forget about that idol. This just looks like a great steak to me. And the other person's got it in front of them, and they're like, I really want to eat it. But I'm worshiping the idol. They're at different places spiritually. If this person does, so this is the whole point. So he says, for meat... Destroy not the work of God. All things are pure, but it's evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that which he alloweth, and he that doubteth is damned if, is damned if he eat. That, the, again, Damned isn't the idea of eternal judgment. It's the idea of judgment, though. That he's, he's going back into his idolatry because he's doubtful. Because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. The point here is this. People are growing in their faith. And my, this principle, if, if you'll let this guide you, my desire should be to do nothing that would cause a young Christian to go back into their old lifestyle. I should have, because I love people, I should say, you know what? I have the right to go here, do this, be in this place, do these things. I have the right to do all these things because I'm, I have freedom in Christ. I'm not, right now, in this setting, in this situation, I'm not going to do that because I would rather see God's work continue in your life. That's love, isn't it? That's Christian love for each other. Wouldn't it be awesome to be part of a community like that? Or I should say, hopefully in most cases, if you're a, if you're a member of this church, isn't it awesome to be a part of a community like that? Where people are sincerely interested in your spiritual growth to the point of making sacrifices in their own life. That's a, that's, that's a level of Christian love. I protect your faith. I told you to circle that word, follow, those two words, follow after, back in verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after. 
Now, it's a little tricky the way it's translated here. Follow after sounds almost kind of passive to us, right? It's like, okay, well, somebody's leading, and I'm going to follow along. This actually is the word that you would use for chase after. So follow after like you're tracking it down. You're pursuing after it. In fact, often you'll see it translated that way. You'll see it translated, let us pursue things which make for peace. Let us put the effort in to say what it, whatever it takes, I'm going to run after decisions that create peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because God is doing something in their life and I will never flaunt the liberty that I have in Christ. Now, I could go through a, a, a list of scenarios for you and try to apply it, but I don't think that would be appropriate because I think these are all unique and specific to what different people deal with in their lives. And we ought to have enough love and concern to know one another and to know how we can pursue after peace with one another. Because I love you, I yield my rights. Because I love you, I protect your faith. And now finally, because I love you, I follow Jesus. Look at 15, 1 through 7. Look at, look at what it says. 15, 1 through 7. He, continue, he finishes this thought. Don't let the chapter division confuse you. He finishes the thought in chapter 15. We then that are what? You've you got to say it like you are. We then that are? Yeah. Ought to bear the infirmity of the... You guys learned. That was good. <laughs> we matched them, right? Or contrasted them. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Nate, just hang on to that stumbling block a little longer. Don't put it down. Not to please ourselves, to bear the infirmities of the weak. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Verse 3, this is the best part now, ready? For even who? Even who? It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. He is the example. For even Christ, please not himself. Jesus, think about this in, in Jesus. Because I love you, I yield my rights, I protect your faith, and I'm following Jesus. Jesus, because I follow Jesus, my strength, whatever strength I have, is not for me, but it's for serving others. Jesus' strength was serving. Consider Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 10 and verse number 45. Jesus said this of himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Who had the right to be served? And who was completely undeserving of being served? Us. We're undeserving. Jesus said, I didn't come so that you would serve me, even though we should rightly serve him. But Jesus said, I came to serve you. You see, when we live this kind of love, a because I love you life, we are following after in the footsteps of Jesus. He said here that in verse 2, it said to please his neighbor to, neighbor to edification. So from Jesus, we learn that strength is for serving. 
we learn that, that my goal should be your growth, your edification. I think about John chapter 10. Jesus spoke a little bit about what he would do for us. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, he said, I am a good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Just sheep, just, just sheep roaming around. That's who you and I are. In fact, often we're sheep who've wandered away. But Jesus said, I will give you my very life. And in fact, later on in the verse, he said that he would lay down his life for the sheep. That he would give his life. That's the heart of the gospel, isn't it? The heart of the gospel is not, the Christian message is not, you be good, serve God, and he will accept you. That's what religion teaches. You be good, try hard, do, 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 Jesus will accept you. Whereas Jesus says, I've done everything. And you just need to accept the gift that I've given you. I've loved you unconditionally. I gave my life for you. I died on the cross for your sins. And all you have to do is receive me. That's the message of grace. And that's the same message. If we have received the gospel, if you've received, if you have been saved by the gospel of Jesus, could you say amen today? Amen. You've received the gospel of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, you need to then give that gospel to others. As Christ has loved me, so I will love you. We can't do it on our own. It has to first come through his grace. And you see what happens. On, if you, we're on the back page finishing now. Because of that, I accept you by grace. You see, like Jesus, Jesus accepted me. Did Jesus accept me or you because we, were, we had proven ourselves to him? Because we're good or righteous? Jesus accepted us while we were sinners. Do you know what that means that I need to do for you and you need to do for me? You need to accept me even though I'm a sinner. We need to extend a gospel love to one another which says, yes, I will, because I love you, I'll yield my rights. I'll protect your faith. I'll follow Jesus and I will accept you by grace. We can't do it on our own. Finish with me in verse number three again. We'll finish here from three to seven. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. In other words, Jesus was mocked for his love. He was ridiculed. He was criticized. Verse 4, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience. Do you think we need patience to deal with each other sometimes? Be thankful that we... Serve the God of patience. Paul's like, you guys fighting about meat? You guys fighting it, putting stumbling blocks down? You know what you need? He says, you need the grace of God at work in your life, Paul says to us. The God of patience and consolation. Bringing the God who gives us patience and brings us together comforts us, grant you be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Do you know what this says? 
This says that we can come in a nice building, we can dress nice, we can sing nice songs, but we cannot be a unified church in our own power. It'll never happen. It doesn't happen automatically. In fact, the default of our nature is division. We divide by default. We need the grace of God working through our disagreements, working through our ability to yield to one another. We need the grace of God to produce a like-mindedness according to Christ Jesus. That ye may, verse 6, that ye may with one mind and one mouth, what? Glorify God. Do you realize that as you sang this morning, Hopefully, hopefully, how many voices did God hear? A little bit of a trick question. One voice. He heard all of them, though. I, I, I know. It, it, it sets you up. But in the context here, the goal is a, a, a church that has a because I love you, because I love you, can come together and as we sing hallelujah, hallelujah for the Lord, our God reigns. I messed up the words, Aaron, but that's our the Lord Almighty reigns, right? As we sing that, our desire is that God would, yes, hear individual voices, but would hear one voice. But, but catch this. If you sang the song, but in your heart, you had a problem with somebody else in the room. The voices to heaven just divided. If you sang the song, but your home is not united. Because it's not just our brothers and sisters in the room, our spouses and children, they're in the room too for a lot of us. If, there's, if we're not yielding to each other, it's not one voice. Because the church is supposed to glorify God. We glorify God with one mind with one mouth. And let's finish with verse number seven. Wherefore, receive ye the same way that Christ received us. What I love about the New Testament is that whatever the issue is, it always brings us back to the gospel. It always bring, brings us back to what Christ has done for us. You see, this kind of love, if you're here today and you're like, wow, that's an amazing kind of love. A love, you're like, you're like Ethan, are there really churches with people who love each other like that? Well, the fact is, probably not 100%. Because we're not talking about human love. But I will tell you this, there is a Savior who loves you like that. Jesus will never fail. Jesus' love is perfect. Jesus is the, the one that, you know, he, Paul is calling us to sacrifice a meal or this or that, but Jesus sacrificed everything. Jesus died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, but praise God, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, and he said, all that is left for you to do is to receive my love. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You can only receive it. 
So I hope that this church is a place where you can find that kind of love. But I know that Jesus is a Savior who will give you that kind of love. If you've never, if there's never been a time in your life where you have personally received Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. You say, what do you mean? Do, you, do I have to do something? No, actually, you just have to believe in your heart. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no question about it. So as we end the service, I'm going to come to a time of prayer. We're just going to bow our heads and pray together. And this is going to be an opportunity for those of us who know the Lord to say, Jesus, give me your love. Maybe it's an opportunity for, for us to say, you know what? I've had a bad attitude or a disagreement with this individual, that individual. Lord, I commit to you that I'm going to make that right. It's not about me. It's about them and their growth. So we're going to have a time of prayer. But it's also a time, if you have not yet, if you're not 100% certain that you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ as well. Would you please, everyone with me, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Just to, before the musicians come, I just want a still, a still, quiet moment. So just, everyone just be still. Speak with the Lord. If you're here, and you've, you'd say, Ethan, I, I, I know some things about Jesus, but... I'm not 100% sure that I've ever received him as my personal savior. Well, why don't you make sure today, whether you're in the room or you're watching the video today, in your heart, you can pray something like this. Say, dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I'm lost without you, Jesus. But I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And right now, I ask you to save me. I'm not trusting myself, Jesus. I'm trusting you and you alone. If you missed the, the precise wording, that's not what's important. What's important is that in your heart, you repent of your sin and you place your faith in Jesus alone. Wherever you are, would you do that right now? Christians, how has God spoken to our hearts? Are we yielding or are we claiming our rights? We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.